Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this beautiful spring day. <laughs> Feels like spring out there, doesn't it? We're glad that you're here today. This is our first uh, Sunday of Advent, and uh, we're glad that you are here to worship the Lord together as we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. And uh, it's great to do that together as God's people, and we welcome you all. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're, we're glad that you're here with us and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind you of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take, uh, take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, if you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, we've got a lot of things to, to announce this morning, a lot of things that are coming up. Uh, so please bear with, with, with me, with us, because others are going to be announcing things as, as well. But uh, let me just begin by saying thank you to, to Jada. She did a wonderful job today. Thanks for the report uh, that was brought to us uh, for, about the, uh, her mission trip to Uganda. We are grateful to hear about that, and we are thankful mostly for what she did there. So we're grateful for, for her bringing that report to us today. Uh, also, uh, everyone was given a pencil and, and an index card when you came in, I hope. Does everybody have a pencil and an index card? If you don't, we want to make sure you get one. Hang on to it. We're going to use it a little later on. If you don't have one, raise your hand if you don't mind. Oh, we got a couple over here. Got a couple over here. Keep your hands up because we're going to need those in just a few minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I got a got a few slip past. <laughs> right over here. Okay, good. All right, uh, and while we're doing that, I'm going to ask uh, Christine to come forward. She's got a couple of announcements for some things that are coming up. Good morning. First, I want to invite all of the ladies of the church. We're having our women's mission auction Monday, December eighth. And can you believe that's a week from tomorrow? I'm like, <laughs> gotten here really quick. Um, if you can come, we invite you. Uh, it is a potluck if you want to bring a dish. And we do have an auction. If you don't have an auction item, just bring your pocketbook and we'll be glad to take the money. <laughs> uh, we use what we uh, raise on that evening to, uh, to take care of funding all of our mission projects during the year. So you're welcome to come. That's at Amy McDowell's home, and if you need directions, uh, just check with Amy or one of us, and we can help you get there. Or if you need a ride, let one of us know, and we'll be glad to pick you up, okay? And then something new we're doing this year, and I've had a lot of questions about it. The senior shut-in team, we're going to go out and deliver Christmas goodies to all of our shut-ins, and that will be on December 13th. So what we're asking you from the church to do is to prepare whatever your special Christmas goodie is. And personally, I'm going to do peanut butter balls if you have like a certain Christmas cookie that you do. Or I know somebody in the church who does some really good spiced pecans. You know, anything like that. You do not have to have it wrapped or individually or anything like that when you bring it. Because I think we're going to do plates and then we're going to wrap them with cellophane and have a big old Christmas ribbon on it. So just bring it in the dish, or you can bring it on a paper plate or whatever. Uh, we will have the doors unlocked that morning at 8 a.m., and we'll have some tables set up down here.
here so you can bring it in and, and leave it if you need to. If you're able to help us assemble the plates and also deliver those to our shut-ins, if you could be here at 10 o'clock, we'll start assembling, and then we'll give you a name uh, on an index card with an address, and we'll start delivering those to our shut-ins. It would be great if some of our shut-ins could maybe visit that day, you know, if we could maybe go out in a group of two or three, and they could visit with some folks that they haven't seen for a while from the church, because we... Believe it or not, we have a lot of folks that are just not able to get here to church. And we have a long list of shut-ins that we're going to deliver to that day. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. Uh, you were handed a, a lot of things when you came into the worships, into the uh, uh, building today. And I want to just kind of go through some of those with you uh, uh, so you know what you have in your hand. And, and some of them is just for information, and some of them is... Are, are things that you need to deal with. One of them was a, a list of three initiatives that uh, it, it, at the top it says Senior Service Day, and these are three initiatives that uh, that we are going to be um, launching at the beginning of the year. And so this is for your information. We had an inf uh, information uh, session on this on uh, last Wednesday, Wednesday last week, and um, so this is some information for you and. Um, if you would like to participate in any of these activities, I think there are sign-up sheets on the table as you go out, and so you could put your name on those uh, to sign up with those. Also, there is a poll here that you have, uh, and this is a poll asking basically, what are you passionate about? What are, what are your gifts? What are your, your ministries? And uh, so you, we would like to ask everyone to fill this out. Be sure to put your name on it because it doesn't do us any good if you don't put your name on it. But put your name on it. Circle those things that you are passionate about or gifted in. And, um, and don't limit it to these things that are on here. There may be something that you didn't get any of that. Uh, they're out there. Okay. <laughs> Dottie's going, we didn't get that. Okay. They're out there, so please get one of these. Fill those, fill these out, uh, so we could, so we could uh, use these for the ministries of our church as we set initiatives that are coming up in the ministries of the church. And also, there's a little half sheet of paper right here. It says "Happy Birthday, Community Baptist Church." And you may be wondering, well, what is this? This is something uh, for if you have social media, I'm going to ask you to do this is kind of a bold experiment here, and I don't know if it's going to work or not, but uh, I would like for you to take this, and this is just a little template, and you can use it as is, or you can change it uh, however you feel like it'll fit your personality. Um, but we're, what I'm asking us to do is for everyone who has social media to take this and put something like this on your social media site. Facebook or Twitter or something like that. And basically it's a happy birthday Community Baptist Church because Community Baptist Church is turning 20 years old next week. We're having our celebration next week. And, and we're still paying off our building. And so I don't think of, I can think of a no better uh, birthday present for Community Baptist Church than for us to pay off this building. And there was somebody that was really wise one time that says, that said, you have not because you ask not. I think that was Jesus. <laughs> and so I'm asking, I'm going to ask my friends, and I'm asking you to ask your friends to make a contribution 
to the building fund at Community Baptist Church so that we can pay this thing off. Uh, we need to do that because the money that we are putting towards our monthly payments could be used in much better ways as we seek to minister in our community. But that's a, that's a responsibility that we have, and we need to take care of that responsibility. And I would like to see it taken care of as quickly as possible. So take that, use it, put it on your, web, on your uh, Facebook, your Twitter, whatever uh, social media you have, and let's see what happens. Maybe God will do something great, I hope. And then one more thing. Let's see, something's coming up next week. What is that? <laughs> next week we are celebrating our 20th anniversary. Community Baptist Church turns 20 years old uh, this coming month in December. And we are celebrating next week. We're going to have, uh, have a wonderful worship service here. Uh, we'll have some special music during that time. And then after the worship service, uh, we will be, uh, we'll have a potluck lunch. Uh, I think the church is providing for all the meats, so you can bring a dessert or a vegetable or just bring yourself, and, and we will have a great time together. And then at 1 o'clock, we'll gather back in these seats uh, for a concert with uh, Bill and, and Janine Walker. Uh, they, are, uh, they came to our church many times in the early days, and uh, we'll be glad to have them back and, in, and enjoy the, the music that they share with us that day. So we have a lot going on, don't we? Tis the season. Welcome to Advent. Uh, let's stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord.
I believe everyone is excited today. As we, are, as we have been leading up to our 20th anniversary, we've been having uh, little moments of uh, anniversary moments, some moments of uh, remembrance, some moments of thoughts about our congregation uh, from, from different members of our congregation. And now Brittany Smith is going to come and share some thoughts with, with you about, uh, about our church and her experience here. She's kind of grown up here, hasn't she? Morning. Um, the first time that I spoke at this church was actually at the groundbreaking that we had in the parking lot, and I had to stand on a crate because I wasn't even <laughs> tall enough to um, reach the microphone. Uh, my mom had written the speech for me. I can't tell you what the speech was about. I do remember there were some jokes in it. Um, <laughs> And I would show you a picture, but I don't really don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> so um, what I kind of want to talk to you about today was the way that Community Baptist Church has shaped me as a person. Um, I started going to Community Baptist Church when we were in the storefront. My grandparents came, their friends invited them, and then um, my family came, or my mother and I, and then my brother as well. Um, in 2004, or the years I'm going to be speaking about are 2004 to 2009. Um, one big thing that shaped our family tremendously that happened in 2004 is that... John. No, I, my mom actually met her husband, John, at our church. And in 2004, they got married. So a lot of you were probably at their wedding. Um, I do remember, I think it was Evan and Jordan... They danced to Ice Ice Baby, one of the best dances I've ever seen. Uh, so, but John joining our family really, you know, of course, shaped it tremendously and brought us even further into the church because my mom and John were so involved in the church. So in 2004, they got married, so that kind of started that off. Um, one thing I was very involved in whenever I was younger was the youth group. Um, I didn't graduate high school until 2005. So in 2004... Um, you know, the youth group consisted of myself, Rachel, uh, Ross was still here. Uh, Smith had graduated a little bit before that. Um, you had some younger ones, Evan. Um, Cassie was kind of coming up right around then and her brothers. Um, some things that we did as a youth group are we went to uh, Wisconsin Dales. That was a really fun trip. We um, worked at a mobile home park and um, where people kind of traveled around in RVs. We did some stuff there. Um, we also went to New York. I'm not sure if any of you went on the New York trip with us. Um, the first, we actually went twice. The first time we went, Dr. Dunaway outwalked everyone there. I'm not even sure how that was possible. We couldn't even keep up with him on the streets of New York. <laughs> um, and one of the times that we went, we were all on the subway. And um, as you know, Nora Hobson likes to make friends with everybody. It doesn't matter if you're in New York or wherever you are. And so we're on the subway. She strikes up a conversation with this guy, and, you know, they're all, they're all talking. And there's a group of probably 15 of us. Um, everybody gets off the subway at our stop. And Rachel is in front of me, and she has a backpack on. And these are the old subways with no sensors. Her backpack gets stuck. And I'm looking, and the doors close, and she's luckily able to pull her backpack out, but I'm stuck on the subway by myself because I'm the last one of our group. 
And so I turn around to all these people because I'm only 14, 15 at this point. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And so I turn around to these people, and they're trying to tell me how to get to other trains and the subway. I can't even get around Henderson, so I'm sure <laughs> not going to be able to figure out the subway. Um, so I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm, I'm freaking out, essentially. And you can't, at this time, the cell phones weren't good enough to use underground. You'd have to go above. And so I was like, you know, what am I going to do? And the man that Nora had been talking to said, well, I'm going to a birthday party, so I'll get off with you on the next stop. I'll ride the train back to where your group was, and I'll walk you up until we find them, and then I'll go to my birthday party. And I was like, okay. And so we go, uh, or, you know, I go with this man, which looking back maybe that probably wasn't my best idea, but he was my only hope in New York at that point. But he was very nice and helped me find my group. Um, Now, Boo Garner, if he was here, when I tell that story, he'd die because he said, you can't go with strangers. I said he wasn't a stranger. He was Noah's friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, some other um, people that you know really helped to shape me within this church were two youth leaders that we had. We had both for a short amount of time. They were both in college and just kind of volunteered their time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, one was Jenny Hall. A lot of you know Jenny. Um, Jenny took us to Eastern Kentucky by herself. There was like 15 of us youth. And Jenny is the most calm and relaxed person to ever go with. And, you know, looking back, I think I can't believe that she took all that time out of her, you know, her personal life and her college life. She came and gave all this time to this church and to the youth. And she was a really, really good youth minister. I learned a tremendous amount from her about being calm and really, um, you know, just looking at the moment and soaking everything in. Um, The other youth leader that really, I feel, helped shape me is actually Rachel's sister. She came a little bit before 2004, um, and she didn't let me and Rachel get away with anything, um, which was really hard when you're in the youth, and uh, Rachel's sister is the youth leader because you want to do bad things sometimes. But, um, you know, Sarah, like I said, looking back, she again gave up a lot of her personal time to come and help this church when we needed a youth leader, and she really did teach me and Rachel a lot about, you know, looking over the scripture and um, really being a good Christian person and a good Christian woman as well. So um, some other things that happened during this time were, um, you know, Rachel um, got sick a little bit after we went into college. And um, that was a very hard time in our church's life and in my life. I didn't want to mention it because I knew I was going to cry. Um, Within this church, I've never seen us rally more than we have behind the Hobsons. Because the Hobsons, when they weren't here, there was a giant void, you know, that was left by that family. Because they are such an intricate part of this church. And, um, you know, that experience helped me to, um, you know, to take each and every day and sit back and say, okay, it's not that stressful. I can get through it. Um, some other things that happened during that time, I moved away to college. Um, some other people graduated and moved away. Um, Julie took over the youth group during that time. And so when I would come back, the youth was a whole new group, which included my brother, Caleb. So, um, Julie, I'll say maybe a saint, um, because I saw the group that was in her youth group, um, 
But she really took a new group of youth and helped them to be involved in the church and to um, learn how to be good youths within the community as well. Um, You know, every time I came home from college, I would come to church with my parents and, um, you know, I would, I would, I missed it. You know, at college there is church, but it's, it's a little bit, it's done a little bit differently. Um, and so when I moved back in 2009, um, I came back here. And so someone asked me one time, they said, cause I, my husband and I, we live in Newburgh. Um, they said, why do you drive to Community Baptist Church every Sunday? And I had never thought about that question because to me coming here has never been a question. I, you know, this is my family. And so I thought, well, because I, I told the person, I said, because I've never thought about going to a different church. You know, to me, this church was never what I would call an, an option. It's always just been my home. So, like I said, I, I never thought about, you know, when I came back from college, oh, should I find a new church? Should I do this? I was like, no, I'm definitely going to back to Community Baptist Church. I um, mean, one thing this church has done for me um, they have, you know, shaped me. And I feel that now that I am old enough and bring my son here, that it is my turn to start, you know, helping with things to shape the church for its future years. So um, probably wasn't the most accurate history lesson you've ever heard, but <laughs> that is my history lesson from 2004 to 2009 for Community Baptist. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. And isn't it good to have a home and family? Hebrews 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast to the hope that we profess without wavering, for the one who has promised is faithful. The lighting of a candle on the first Sunday of Advent is traditionally associated with the hope that we have which the birth of Christ brings to us. Each of you was given an index card and a pencil and um, as we begin, now's the time to get that out. Now's the homework time or the classwork time, folks. As we begin our Advent season, I would like for us to spend just a moment in silent meditation on the hope that the birth of Christ brings to to our lives. And as you ponder this hope, I would also like for you to write your prayers of hope on the card that you've been provided for you. These could be prayers of hope for yourself. Maybe there's something, some need that you have that, that you're hopeful for then write that on the card. Maybe there's someone that you know that you have a hope for. Maybe there's, there's something in our community or some situation in the world that you have a hope for. What are your hopeful prayers today? Let us be quiet for a moment and write our prayers of hope.
And now I'd like to ask you to do something a little different uh, as we begin our Advent time together, because usually we have some representative of the church to light the candle and to uh, have a reading or something like that. But I would like to invite each of you now to join me over here at the candle of hope and lay your prayers at the foot of this candle, at the base of this candle, the candle of hope, which represents the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Now we light the candle of hope. We're grateful for the prayers of hope that are laid at the base of this candle. And as we pray together, all of these prayers are sent with the candle to the ears of God. Let us pray. O oh, Jesus, who brings hope into hopeless situations, we thank you for your heavenly rescue mission, which we rem remember at Christmas time. You came to this world that was filled with darkness to bring a great light. And we light this candle as a reminder of the hope that you bring to each of us. And we offer up our prayers of hope knowing that you care deeply about each and every one of these situations. Fill us, O oh God, with your spirit of hope throughout this season. Amen.
guess you can all sit down. <laughs> In case nobody out here knows it, I'm not Jesse Hopgood. <laughs> but our uh, scriptures today are from Mark 13, 33 through 37. Beware, keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight, or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you all, I say, keep awake. Good morning, boys and girls. Do you want to join me at the front, please? Oh, great. We have a good little crowd here today. It's going to be fun, right? Oh, we got a great group. I'm going to talk about two words this morning. One of the words is presence. As we go into the Christmas season, we think a lot about presence. And another word that sounds very similar to presence is presence. But before I do that, I want to always tell you a story about when I was your age growing up around Christmas time. It was about the, and I seem to always want to do that when I've been doing children's moment of late, but this story is pretty, pretty unusual because it happened around Christmas time. But every Christmas in my church growing up, the first Sunday, they would bring in this big old plywood board, and it was painted white, and it had the musical notes of joy to the world on it, and had big red Christmas bulbs in for each note of the hymn. Joy to the world. So every Sunday during Christmas, those bulbs would get lit up by how much money people gave to the missions offering, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that went on during that time. And we would get to sing for each bulb that was lit up. So we would sing the first Sunday of Christmas or Advent as we call it nowadays. Joy too. That's all we could sing. And then as more people gave money to the missions fund, more lit lights would be lit up every Sunday. It was real, real funny during that time of watching the lights get lit up. As kids, we would sit down close and we would sit very close to the piano. And a lady, her name was Mrs. Norris. She played the piano at my growing up church, and we knew to be really good boys and girls around Mrs. Norris because guess what? She owned the toy store in town, and she had direct access to Santa Claus. So we knew to be very quiet and very good in church at that time because Mrs. Norris's toy store. So the second Sunday we would sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is, we'd have to stop. And by the third Sunday we'd sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive, and we'd have to stop. 
And then by Christmas time, we got to usually sing the whole song. But it brings us back what I was telling you about. The two words that I want to talk about is presence and presence. And they sound alike, but they mean two different things. So one, what I want to leave you with here is the best thing, present that you can give to God this Christmas is your presence here during the Advent service. So we can sing the whole thing. I didn't want to miss church during Christmas time because we would get to sing bits and pieces of that Christmas hymn. So the best thing that you can do during this Christmas season is your presence here at church during the Advent season. That is the best present that you can give is your presence. So whenever your teacher asks, what does a teacher ask when you come into school? She calls the roll and she says your name and then you say back to her, present. You don't get that in school? Okay. Well, that's what we used to. What do they usually ask whenever, don't they call roll whenever school starts to see if everybody's here? They don't do that anymore. Okay. Well, the best present that you can give to God during this Christmas season is your presence here. Thank you, boys and girls. And you can go back with Miss Mary.
Lord, we're grateful for this uh, body of believers. Uh, we're thankful for such a gracious people. Uh, we are grateful for all that we have in this season of Christmas. Help us to understand how fortunate we are. And as we enter into this season of kindness and, and uh, generosity, help us to not forget our church. And in so doing, we will promote uh, the work of this church in this community by these people. In Christ's name, amen.
Thank you, choir. How beautiful that is. Pastor Richard Pearson once served as the pastor at Crescent Park United Methodist Church in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. And for several years, they had a living nativity scene. And on one particular night, it was Pastor Dick's job, along with a man who had a pickup truck, to get a pregnant ewe, which was bedded down in the parsonage garage, to the church for the nativity scene. And so they went to get her about a half an hour before the performance. And due to her delicate condition, they carefully lifted her into the bed of the truck, and Dick rode in the back with her. Well, it was a bitterly cold night, and the ewe evidently decided that she had other plans. So when the truck stopped at a stoplight, she jumped over the tailgate and started running down the busy city street, away from the church, with Dick in hot pursuit, running down the street after this this ewe. They were passing cars, were slamming on their brakes, and people were yelling and laughing and pointing, and, and the ewe and the preacher just ran on. And he finally caught up with her in a thicket at Briarcliff College, and they reloaded her onto the truck and got her, got her into place just with just about two minutes to spare. Dick said that all the way to the church, the lines from My Fair Lady kept running through his head. Kick up a rumpus, don't, but don't forget the compass, get me to the church on time. Well, I hope that your Christmas season will not be quite that hectic. But as we all know, time is, is at a premium during the season of Advent. Our song could be, kick up a rumpus, but don't forget the compass and get me to Christmas on time. Welcome to this first Sunday of Advent. Now many of us think of Advent as a time of getting ready for Christmas. And on a practical level, it is certainly that. Some of you may get a headache just thinking about all the preparations that, you, that needs to be done Over the next few weeks, there's lights and trees to put up, there's parties to attend and meals to plan and prepare, presents to to buy and wrap. How can you possibly get it all done, we think? But the season of Advent is about so much more than simply getting ready for Christmas. You see, Advent is the definitive announcement about our future. It is the announcement of a time when Christ shall come and to establish his kingdom over all the earth. It is a time of preparation for, the, for that final triumph over death and darkness. And that is why Advent begins with this passage of Scripture from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned tasks, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner will return, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. What a dramatic command. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. 
Now, most of us don't give a whole lot of thought about Christ's return these days, do we? Now, of course, there are some who, uh, some Christians who make Christ's return their primary obsession. And, and they put up signs on the highway and they write books describing in great detail their interpretation of what they call the, the rapture. But since Christ warned us that no one knows when that day will be, and since Christians have been waiting for that day for over 2,000 years now, we generally look at those who are obsessed with that, the second coming of Christ as a bit eccentric. And yet, biblically, it is impossible for us to ignore it. You see, history has a direction. And one day, Christ will come to reign over all and to bring his kingdom of justice and peace to all the world. It was an amazing and wonderful promise about our future. We are in God's hands. And we must take it very seriously. And we want to be prepared for that day when it comes. So what can we learn from the words of our Lord today? Well, Christ paints a picture for us. And he tells a little story about a man going away. He puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned tasks. He tells the one at the door to keep watch. And then Christ turns to his disciples and he says, Therefore, I want you to keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will return. And notice these words. Whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. I find those words very interesting. And here's why. Dr. Tom Long suggests that these four times, evening, midnight, when the rooster crows and dawn... These four times have very special meaning related to events that come a little bit later in Mark's gospel. And so I want us to consider each of those one at a time. Therefore, says the master, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will return, whether in the evening. As we wait for Christ's return, what is the significance of evening? Well, in the very next chapter, Mark tells us when it was evening, Jesus ate his very last meal with his disciples and tells them, one of you will betray me. My friends, evening is a time of betrayal. And think about that for a moment. What would it mean for you to betray Christ? Here we are in this time of waiting for Christ's return. Could it be a time of betrayal? For example, would it be a betrayal during this Advent season if we totally forgot about the deeper meaning of Christ's birth? A man named Robert McGimsey attended a midnight service, Christmas Eve service in New York City back in 1932. And after he attended this service, he felt much inspired. He loved the service, the music, the sermon. Everything was wonderful. And he was was kind of floating in in inspiration. And he headed back to his apartment. And as he walked the final few blocks to his apartment, he passed the open doors of nightclubs where people were shouting and swearing and singing. And others were so drunk that they were passed out on the sidewalk. And he thought to himself, 
What a strange way to celebrate the birth of the most perfect person who ever lived. And then he thought to himself, we seem to have missed the whole significance of Christ's life. Well, that night, McKenzie wrote some thoughts down on the back of an envelope. And those words became the basis of a beautiful Christmas song, sung in the tradition of an old spiritual. It goes like this. Sweet little Jesus boy that made you be born in a manger. Sweet little holy child, we didn't know who you was. Didn't know you'd come to save us, Lord, to take away our sins. Our eyes was blind. We couldn't see. We didn't know who you was. And you know, that's very true, isn't it? There are so many people who celebrate Christ's birth even today, and yet they have no real understanding of who He was or who He is. So you see, betrayal comes in many forms. It may mean ignoring the needs of those around us. It may mean focusing all of our energies on the peripherals of this season and not on the principal reason for the season. Maybe betrayal is giving in to the rampant materialism of this time of the year. I read somewhere that the amount of money Americans spend on toys each year exceeds the gross national product of 64 other countries. When it was evening, Jesus ate his very last meal with his disciples and tells them, one of you will betray me. That's the evening, a time of betrayal. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will return, whether in the evening or at midnight. What about midnight? Mark continues the story in the next chapter, in chapter 14. Immediately after the Last Supper, they went to a place called Gethsemane. Do you remember what happened at Gethsemane? Jesus told his disciples once again to keep watch while he prayed. And that was the time of agony for Jesus when he prayed that the cup of suffering and death could be passed from him, that it would be taken away from him, that he would not have to suffer this. But still he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And twice during that time, he returned to his disciples who were a little ways away and asked them to keep watch. But both times, he found them asleep. Here was the master pouring his heart out the most critical night of his life. And his disciples, whom he had told to keep watch, had fallen asleep. As someone had said, instead of standing on the promises, they were sleeping on the premises. And the obvious question is, could that have been us? My friends, we are the church of Jesus Christ. And Christ has called on us to make a difference in the world. But the question is, have we been sleeping on the job? man went to his doctor one time and asked his doctor if he could help him with a snoring problem. And the man said, as soon as I go to sleep, I begin to snore. It happens all the time. What can I do about it? 
And the doctor asked, does it bother your wife? And the man answered, oh, it it disturbs the whole congregation. (laughs) We say of Santa Claus, he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. And in the same way, God knows whether we are sleeping as the body of Christ or not. So what can we do during the Advent season to keep watch? Well, Advent's a great time to invite your friends to come worship with you. It's a great time to volunteer some time to help someone in need. It's time to wake up and go about the calling that Christ has given to us. In the evening, one betrayed him. At midnight, they were asleep. Keep watch, says Christ, because you do not know when the owner of the house will return, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows. You remember what happened when the rooster crows crowed, didn't you? Don't you? Again, we read about it in Mark 14. At the Last Supper, Jesus said to his disciples, You will all fall away. But Peter said, even if everyone else falls away, I will not. And that's when Jesus turned to Simon Peter and said, Tonight, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, Lord, I will never disown you. And what happened that night? Peter denied Jesus three times. And when he heard, after the third time, he heard the rooster crow. And Mark tells us he broke down and wept. Have you ever wept because you did something stupid? I love the way we see these disciples with all of their warts and shortcomings. And and I know we we don't talk a lot about grace at, at Christmas time, but surely it deserves to be talked about here because, you know, children are 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 told to be good because Santa Claus is coming to town and, and that's okay. I know the motivation behind that, but <laughs> but you know something? They also need to know that God loves them whether they're good or bad. That's the gospel. Jesus loved Simon Peter, but Peter wasn't perfect. Just like you or I. We are not perfect. And when the time of testing came, Peter faltered. He failed. But that did not mean that Christ did not love him. And that did not mean that Christ would not use him. You see, the crowing of the rooster, it's a time of grace. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will return, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. What a wonderful thing is the coming of dawn. A couple of chapters after that, in Mark 16, it begins like this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? And when they got to the tomb, they found the stone rolled away. And 
Going inside, they discovered a young man dressed in white, in a white robe. And he said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. Thirty-six hours before this particular dawn, the world experienced the darkest hours of human history. The very Son of God hung on a cross like a common criminal. But at dawn, the women discovered that his tomb was empty. He was risen, as he said. Have you noticed that we celebrate Advent and Christmas during some of the darkest days of the year? Have you noticed that? We do. And that's on purpose. That, that's purposeful. It's symbolic. You see, darkness is the essential state of humanity. But folks, there is a light that shines into that darkness, and that darkness will not overcome that light. And that, of course, is the light of Jesus Christ. The evening of betrayal, the midnight when the disciples slept, the crowing of the rooster and the grace it represents are all about preparation for the dawn of resurrection. And they also represent our situation as we await Christ's return. You see, we still live in a very imperfect world. We still live in a world of betrayal. We still live in a world in which the church on on whom Christ relies is asleep. A world that's still depending on God's grace as its only hope. And we await the dawn. We are waiting for the return of Christ to dispel all of this darkness and to set up His kingdom of love and peace and justice for all people. We celebrate Advent during the darkest time of the year, but it is not a celebration of darkness. It is a celebration of the light that has come to overcome that darkness. And it speaks to us of that day that is yet to come the day when Christ's kingdom is fully established forever. Pastor David Peterson was once deep in preparation for his Sunday sermon. His little daughter came into his study and and she asked, Daddy, can we play? And and he said, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I'm in the middle of preparing this sermon. In about an hour we can pray. And she said, okay, when you're finished, Daddy, I'm going to give you a great big hug. And and he said, thank you so much. Thank you very much. And so she went to the door. But when she got to the door, she did a U-turn and came back and gave him an enormous bone-crushing hug. And so David said to her, darling, you said that you were going to give me a hug after I finished. And she looked up at him with her big blue eyes. And she said, Daddy, I just wanted you to know what you have to look forward to. Folks, that's what Advent does for us. It's a reminder to us of what we have to look forward to. Be on guard, says the Master. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned tasks. And tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, 
keep watch. 